0: It's your boy, and welcome to episode 46 of the podcast. This is M, which you can subscribe to on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Really, everywhere you find good podcasts, really. And uh, if you haven't already, please rate and review the show. Give us five stars. Type a couple sentences about why you like the show and why other people should listen. And if you can think of one person in your life who you think would like the show look, you're a fan of the podcast. You love it. It's your favorite thing to listen to. You look forward to it every week. And if that's the case for you, there's no reason why that shouldn't be true for the other people in your life. There's no doubt that you hang out with like-minded people. In fact, we all live in an echo chamber these days. None of us hang out with people who are different than us. We all want to be in that perfect posse. And I'm telling you, if you like this podcast, you can be damn sure the people to the right and left of you would like it also, so please grab one of those people by the lapels, grab them and scream in their face, listen, god damn it, this thing will change your life, it changed mine, you need to be listening also, and encourage them, for the love of God and all that is holy, to subscribe and listen to this fucking podcast. Oh, boy, folks, your boy is losing his mind. I actually feel I, you know, I was spending the last couple of weeks kind of writing down thoughts as I go through the week for the podcast. It's been helpful at times. I feel like it was actually really helpful at first, and then actually I don't I don't know if it's actually inhibited me from just kind of being kind of loosey goosey, more extemporaneous with the podcast. But um, I have nothing written down this week. And uh, we'll see. Either that's going to be great or it's going to be a pain in the ass. But um, I feel really overwhelmed. I'm finishing summer school. I was taking two classes this summer and uh, finished the other one, got an A in the class. Yay! And I am finishing the second course this week. And I'm doing very strongly in the course. Thank you. And the problem, though, is I have a final project due this week. And at the same time, Uh, there was a recent um, position made available at work. It's a leadership position and I've applied for it and I have an interview next week also. And um, for my communications final, I have to give a a presentation of considerable length based on a experiment that I've been conducting. I think we talked about it actually. I was going to not say anything negative for a week, (laughs) <clears throat> um, that is due this week. And at the same time, I have to give a 20 minute presentation for this job interview, which is an hour and a half long. So, um, I feel pretty overwhelmed right before I was uh, fired up the mic here and started recording. I was sketching out, um, and outlining ideas for the interview presentation. And, you know, I get, in some ways it, it feels a lot like how I felt I'm stopping myself because I don't want to, you know, I I feel like I bring up this whole Matt Nathanson tour a whole lot, and uh, maybe I do, and maybe uh, I'm embarrassed, but it doesn't mean that the reasons I'm embarrassed about talking about it so much aren't true. It was a big deal for me, and uh, especially as I've now transitioned away from a creative career, in some ways it was kind of the, the highlight of it, right? Or at least the pinnacle of it. There were plenty of highlights along the way, but... um, but, um. but I'm equating the two because it was an opportunity I really wanted. I sort of submitted myself for. And, you know, a lot of my self-esteem at the time hinged on getting that. And I think there's something, I mean, it's it's kind of the same thing, right? I'm, I'm putting my hat in the ring for an opportunity I'm not sure I qualify for, but I still think I could do a good job if I was given the opportunity. And, um, you know, at the outset, the idea is that it could confer... Uh, a few things. It, it has the, it has the ability to, to change my life in a number of ways that I really want. And so, in so in that sense, a lot hinges on it. Um, you know, nothing definitive. And if I don't get it, you know, I still have the rest of my life ahead of me, right? It's not like my life is ruined. But it's something that I really want, is probably the important part here. And, you know, I guess if there's one difference, you know, nothing is certain in life. But, more often than not, the, quote, real world is different from the creative world in that, you know, not that the real world is a meritocracy either, but, you know, if decisions in the real world, like like who gets hired for a job, are multidimensional, in the creative world, they're they dodecahedrons of dimensions, right? There's just so many things that go into those decisions. And I don't know, maybe my experience will force me to um revisit this concept also. But, you know, e- whether it's returning to school or even at my work, I'm I'm more frequently finding that my hard work is being rewarded. Um, so I don't know. I know it's a multidimensional decision on who gets this job. Some of it's seniority. There could be other decisions, there could be other factors as well. But I think the only thing I can do is prepare. And um, so yeah, I'm trying to do my due diligence and prepare as best I can for this interview. And if I get it, phenomenal. Of course, I'll be boasting and, and talking about that. Um I don't go into do too too many specifics about my my work. I think part of that is because I can't, and part of it part of it is I don't want to. Um but uh I'll certainly let you know uh if that happens. Um otherwise, man, that's really been the only thing that's on my mind for the last week, so maybe we'll just wrap it up there. Um your boy's about to go on his vacation, uh, at the end of this week. Actually, by the time, the day the next podcast comes out will be the first day of, uh, will officially be the first day of my vacation. So, um, we'll see. I'm not sure when I'll get around to recording it, but, uh, but uh the podcast will continue for the next couple of weeks. Uh I was sort of considering banking them, you know, sort of pre-recording them so that so that I literally had nothing that I needed to do over the vacation, but I enjoy doing it. It's not a burden for me. Uh, this is you know, I feel kind of bad that I haven't been able to give the podcast as much psychological space as I normally do in the last few weeks. Um but it's still, when I get around to doing it, it's the highlight of my week. And unfortunately, I've had to sort of do it last minute frequently. I mean, today's Sunday. The podcast is coming out tomorrow, but really in 10 hours. You know, they get uh, they get um, disseminated at midnight. So um, that's fine. It's no big deal. It's very easy for me to sort of wrap this up and just sort of throw it online. But um, But yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe it's, uh, what happens when you sort of hit your stride with something, it just becomes a part of your life. Um, in some ways it's kind of like therapy. You know, I I always feel when I sit down for, for therapy, um, when I don't know what to talk about, I feel like I haven't done my due diligence outside of work. But as my girlfriend has started her own therapy, um, uh, without saying too much, I just think, you know, I think she's surprised what time, I think she is surprised at times what comes up. Because as you go through your life, you think, oh, A, B, and C are the most important things going on in my life right now. And if you're given an hour to talk about things and you end up talking about D, some, you know, ostensibly minor thing in your life or from your past or whatever, um, you're surprised that you, you worry that you're wasting your time talking about it. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what point I'm driving at, except to say, um, I, yeah, I think I'm just trying to say I I haven't thought about this podcast a whole bunch recently, um, and yet it's an important part of my life right now, and I just assume that we'll talk about what needs to be talked about. Um, I think, especially as I feel the podcast sort of recede into the background of my life, I worry about the entertainment value <laughs> of it. Um, I, I got to say, I'm, I'm really impressed that the numbers for the podcasts are as consistent as they are. Um, and the only reason the only reason that's important for you is because I do worry that it frequently becomes more of just like a journal. Um, I mean, the podcasts that I listen to are very entertaining. You know, it's it's a bunch of comedians, it's a bunch of people who uh, have careers in entertainment. And so, I guess I worry that the things I look for in podcasts that entertain me are not necessarily the things, are not necessarily in the podcasts that I create. And we've talked about this in terms of music. You know, I've said there's plenty of musical interests that I have. There's plenty of um, I mean, for, for me recently, it's been, uh, you know, teaching myself synthesis and spending time with synthesizers. And no matter how much I try, you know, I've tried to take some of the things that I am interested in and like learning about when it comes to synthesizers and find music that incorporates those things. But I actually, I really don't like listening to electronic music. You know, I've tried to look at, you know, ooh, what are the kids listening to? What's cool? And so, it's like I'll listen to Flume or something like that. And, you know, there's some interesting stuff going on, but there's, I I don't know what it is, but there's something kind of like soulless in a lot of that music. And I don't know why it doesn't speak to me, but it's like, even, you know, it, even as I enjoy, you know, I've, I've mentioned this, this, uh, this, um, I don't even know what you call it, like a learning tool. It's called Centorial, And it sort of is a curriculum on learning synthesis. And it's, you know, by the time you actually finish it, it will take tons of time. But even then you realize it's really just like a fundamental understanding of the, the basic concepts of a that are commonly found on, on a synthesizer and how to hear them and how to hear synthesized sounds and recreate them. So it's a great skill to have. And it's a lot of work that I think a lot of people don't do. But at the same time, it's just the very beginning. And uh, But there's something, I guess what I'm trying to say is I love listening to those things and I love working through that program. And I love spending time with just my... Um, you know, my my mini keyboard, my mini controller and like working in massive or working even with the, the synthesizer that comes with the software. And it's so much fun and I really look forward to it, but I'm not sure what the musical application is. I'm not sure what the musical application of it is f- yet for me, you know, because most of the music that I, I look into that uses these things, I don't really enjoy listening to. But well, maybe that's okay. Maybe maybe you're allowed to have those two separate things. You know, maybe it's okay to, you know, like podcasts, like to like listening to podcasts of a sort, but when it actually comes time to express yourself, it looks nothing like the stuff that you're actually into. You know, and, and in some ways, maybe that's a part of being an adult. You know, everybody talks about this, you know, when you're young and you're, and you're first sort of finding your voice as a creative person, you basically mimic the things that you listen to. You know, your first... Well, I have a couple thoughts, but it, yeah, I mean, your first, your first creative efforts really are just, uh, you know, you're mimicking your favorite person. So, um, for some reason, people like, um, I always say L. Ron Hubbard and I never fucking remember this guy's name. Who's the guy who wrote Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? I, what the fuck is his name? Anyway, I don't know. People try to be like him. People try to, people try to be like fucking Jack Kerouac. You know what I mean? Like, young people with the stars in their eyes eyes read On the Road as if it's the greatest fucking book ever, which it's not. It's kind of a fucking nightmare. You know, if you read it as a kid, you may like it, but if you read On the Road as an adult, you kind of think it's a bunch of losers, you know? And in some ways, I actually think that's kind of the point of the book that gets lost on people. It's sort of like Fight Club. You know, people, they look at Tyler Durden and Project Mayhem and they think, oh man, this is me. This is what my life is. And they hear Tyler Durden's speaking in the beginning of the novel, and they think, "Yeah, man, that's what this movie's about." But they don't really consider the whole movie and realize what are these ideas like when they run amok, you know? Or these ideas are fine over a beer and they sound good, but if you actually try to put them into practice, what kind of mayhem would ensue? Literally, Project Mayhem. But like, what kind of you know people who want to buck the system? Like, well, what does an anarchic system actually look like? Um, I think on the road actually explores those topics and maybe when I read it as a kid yeah maybe I just sort of ex- expected it to be this kind of love letter to bohemianism and what I actually got was something very sad and so in that way I was I was disappointed by it but it is one of those books that I think is typically misunderstood by even the people who are the most evangelical about it but anyway what the fuck am I talking about um yeah, maybe there's, I don't know, maybe it's a sign of maturity, actually, that you can be into some things creatively and spend a lot of time with them. And yet, on some level, know that when it's time to actually create your own art, that there's just, it's not you. <laughs> you know, and maybe it's things that, yeah, maybe there's this difference between what's fun to play with in the sandbox. But when it comes time to make a sort of canonical creative statement, you think, um, yeah, that's really not for me. I mean, one thing that came up in my communications class this semester. And this is kind of a I don't know. If this is this is a hot button issue for a lot of people, so this might uh, be one of those times where you uh, you realize you actually hate me. But one thing that came up is um in uh is it communications? Yes, it was. You know, we have all these reading assignments and then we have to have like a journal response, a sort of substantive journal response, you know, 500 to 1000 words on on these topics. And uh, one of them that came up actually was the episode Eurasian Babies. That was one of the last few episodes. I can't remember the numbers. But that actually came out of an assignment where I had to write about a microaggression. And so I drew on this story that my girlfriend had told me about being in a therapy session where her therapist asked, uh, what's the, uh, do you mind if I ask what race is your boyfriend? She said, he's white. And she just goes, oh, how wonderful. You guys are going to have the most beautiful Eurasian babies. So that was an experience I, I sort of wrote about being, uh, while I wasn't there to experience it directly, I was sort of a, I was the quote victim of a microaggression by proxy. Um, but one of the, you know, one of the, um, one of the things that came up was, um, appropriation, cultural appropriation. And we had to write about a time where we either witnessed or, um, exercised, if that's the right word, exercised cultural appropriation ourselves. And I think one thing I wrote about was an you know, me and my brother have been huge fans of, of, of uh, Jamaican dance hall music since we were very young. And for me, that began with Buju Banton. Uh, I remember, I was at like, you guys remember Borders? There was like Barnes and Nobles, and one of their first major competitors was Borders. And now all these fucking places are closed, right? Is Barnes and Nobles? Actually, I think Barnes and Nobles still still around, but I think Borders is definitely fucking closed. But I remember being at like the first Borders at like the the... Not the Tucson Mall. It was like the Park Place Mall in Tucson, and I remember buying this like 40th anniversary compilation record of Island Records, um, and it was all like these uh, uh, reggae artists. And it was, of course, it was like Bob Marley and Peter Tosh. And sorry, I just hit the mic here. Um, Bob Marley, Peter Tosh, and all these folks. And there was one track on there, "Champion" by Buju Banton. And I remember when this fucking thing played for the first time. It's one of the few times in my life where I feel like the co- like the earth stopped spinning and it was like, like the heavens opened up and a light shone down on me from heaven and said, this shit is for you, man. And I remember fucking that whole track just blew my goddamn mind. I had never heard, on the one hand, I had never heard anything like it and yet it was so relevant. Like to me, it was like Busta Rhymes. It was like reggae Busta Rhymes. And there was just something about the rhythm and his de- vocal delivery style that was just fucking so, it was heavy for me. It just hit me really fucking hard. And I remember buying that record, Till Shiloh, which if you haven't fucking peeped it, you have to check out. I don't know. I haven't listened to the whole thing in a long time. I think there's plenty of fucking bangers on it, especially the beginning. It opens up with a fucking great kind of Nyabingi type, or maybe it comes up with the, his sort of prayer Anyway, the point is is like it was just a fucking really cool record for me. And it was a record, especially when you're young and this was I mean the internet was a thing, but it's not like we had Spotify and shit. And so it was like you could find a record and go deep on it and cherish it and you would have you would never meet anybody else who was hip to this fucking music. You know what I mean? Like you would just think that you were on your own island somewhere. And by the way, the fact that you were able to... I probably bought the record at Borders also. The fact that it's in Borders should suggest to you that it's popular enough that a major national uh, chain is sort of stocking this musician's merchandise. But nobody we fucking knew was listening to this music. And I remember when my brother especially got into reggae music, he really went down the rabbit hole and brought so many fucking new artists to my attention. And it was people like Sizzla, Capleton especially capleton's record more fire which you can't fucking really find anywhere as far as i can tell i don't even think it's on spotify but that shit was the that may be one of the greatest fucking dancehall records of all time uh sizzla capleton i remember sean paul when he crossed over that was a fucking huge record um but yeah so just going down the fucking dancehall uh rabbit hole was just a huge fucking thing for us. And then eventually by, by extension to our circle of friends. Um, and it was such a formative influence on me creatively. Um, and I remember about five years ago, dude, this is going to blow your fucking minds. And I, maybe I shouldn't even be telling you this, but this whole this is M thing and my artist name M the Air Parent came during. I, we've talked about this kind of weird spiritual t- time in my life where I was really getting into the I Ching. If you want to hear about that, you can go and listen to the uh, episode 13 of the podcast, A Book of Changes, where I talk about the I Ching. But around that time, I had. And I was just thinking about this fucking driving to the gas station today. But. I, you know, I, I've mentioned, I've alluded to that. This, that I have this idea for a creative project that I've been marinating on for about four or five years now that I haven't had the courage to actually uh, really begin to work on seriously. And yet, I think about it all the time. Like even when I'm fucking around with a synth synthesizer these days, there will be some sound where I go, "Oh, that could be that sound for for this creative project." So anyway, I I, I know I'm talking around it very euphemistically, but um part of that whole time period was coming up with this anthem for myself. And the song is literally called This Is M. And I have my brother and my friend Matt, our MVP, have heard the lyrics in an a- acapella version. But what they don't know <laughs> is that I spent some considerable time and, and, and I, guess, I guess money in the studio with my buddy and collaborator Gowan Matthews, who's produced all of my music over the last few years, recording a fully produced dancehall version of this song, This Is M. And the reason nobody else has ever heard it is because I actually rap or deliver the lyrics, however you want to think about it, in this Jamaican patois dancehall style. And of course, this is where we're coming full circle. The reason nobody's ever fucking heard this song is because if I ever released it, I would be fucking skewered for one appropriating that not only the style of music this way, being a white artist in a categorically uh, black genre of music, but delivering it this way with with the with the accent. The reason it had to be recorded that way is that's how the lyrics were written. I mean, the lyrics themselves, the whole the hook of the chorus depends on speaking in Jamaican Patois. You just can't Anglicanize it. Um, and if we're not considering cultural appropriation, that just makes sense to me. Like, if you're going to work in a genre, you have to be true to the genre and you have to do certain things within that genre. And one of the things that makes the genre so compelling as a listener is the percussive quality of of the vocal delivery that comes from the Patois and from saying things in a sort of punctuated way. Um, I mean, to me, the best vocal, vocal deliver deliverers of that genre, to me, bounty killer is the fucking number one. I mean, when I think of like albums, I think Capleton's more fire is probably maybe one of the best dance hall records ever written. But for me, one of the artists who has the most bangers fucking across the board is bounty killer. And I remember around that time I had a playlist on Spotify. I, mean, I still have it. I still add to it every once in a while. But I had this playlist on Spotify that I was—I had probably about sixty Bounty Killer songs that to me were just fucking all fucking just murdered. They were just dynamite fucking dancehall tracks, and that to me was like the rubric that I based the song off of. But anyway, I've recorded the song. I would actually want to do considerable work on it if if it ever was released. But I think I'm just talking about this idea of. Here I have this song that bubbled out of me from the same, in some ways even deeper, but I was going to say from the same creative wellspring as every other song I've ever created in my life. Any other like genuine, inspired, creative idea that's ever come out of me. We like, we know the difference. Everybody knows the difference from creating by, you know, something creative that comes out of a commission. You're basically being forced to think in a certain channel or or venue and channel your thoughts and create something for pay versus when we're just kind of going through our life and we tap into something and you have this you have this genuinely inspired creative idea well that's where the good stuff comes from and this this anthem this song came to me in the same way that every other song every truly inspired idea I've ever had comes from the same wellspring but the fact that it happens to, you know, you know, the fact that it happens to be in a certain genre of music, a categorically, I'm using air quotes here, black genre of music, I'm not, quote, again, quotes, allowed to release it. Um, and I don't want to sound again, I'm sort of prefacing this because I'm anticipating how people respond. I get, (laughs) I completely get why people don't want to hear white people perform in traditionally black genres. I mean, black artists are unquestionably uh, one of the most exploited people in the history of the music industry, right? So, um, all that still stands. But one point I tried to make in this writing in my response. And it's just, a, it's just a question. And I don't know what, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure I know the answer to this, but it's something I'm, I'm not, I haven't heard a good, a good resp- really a satisfying response, I should say, which is, as a white artist, you know, if we're going to sort of defer to cultural appropriation as the rubric for what white artists are literally allowed, which is really the implication, what white artists are allowed to do creatively, Am, am I only allowed to express myself in modalities that are rooted in American folk music? I mean, am I only allowed to be a white dude with a guitar and sing that way? Now, that's my natural proclivity, don't get me wrong. When people ask me, like, what kind of music do you make? I typically say, just a fucking white dude with a guitar music. But if I feel, personally... And everyone has to defer to their own sense of what this means. But if I genuinely feel inspired to create something in a different um, genre or form or whatever the case may be, am I not allowed to do that? Because the industry historically has been racist and exploited black artists, etc. Am I not allowed to do that? and i know objectively we could say oh well you it's not that you're not allowed to it's just you will face strong social criticism or censor or whatever however you want to think about it like you can do whatever you want but you have to expect a response you know that i get but that i don't know why but that's not that doesn't feel i'm not i'm not resigned to that um I mean, I obviously, I let it influence my behavior because you've never heard this fucking song and you're li- and you're likely never going to, but I'm not resigned about it. Um, and, and maybe, I don't know, maybe there's not a satisfying response because, you know, on the one hand, there's the realities of the society we live in. There's a historical reality of what the music industry has done and, and still means to black artists. But at the same time, you know, I don't know. There's something about art by committee which really bothers me. And I think part of what art is supposed to do is make you feel strong feelings. You know? And I think that there's something... I don't know. There's something different to me about someone who's working in a and again, I use air quotes here, but they're working in a traditionally black genre of music exploitatively. And then someone actually trying to do something serious within a genre of music. I mean, it's a cliche example, but when you think about Eminem, you know, it'd be one thing if he was like vanilla ice, right? Like if the music industry said, Hey, this rap thing is really taking off. Let's find a white artist to really reach these white people now, I don't know I don't know what the fuck was going on in the music industry that, that made Eminem famous. I, I don't think it was that, because I think even if you're not a fan of rap music, I think anyone can objectively listen to Eminem and say, that dude is a fucking MC, right? Like, he is a card-carrying MC. He has skills. Some say he's the best ever. I don't fucking think that that's true, necessarily. But he's earned his fucking stripes, right? And when Eminem releases a rap song, he's, it's a, it's a, Valid statement within the genre. I mean, I've thought about this actually. I've mentioned, I don't know if I actually, maybe I haven't mentioned it, but I've opened a couple times for this dude, John Bellion, and he is under this group called Visionary Music Group, which uh, the first artist that was signed to it was Logic, who literally just came out with their last record. They announced their retirement from the music industry. But Logic is a white rapper and he's fucking phenomenally huge. Now, you may not have ever heard of him, but this dude fucking plays Red Rocks, you know what I mean? In Colorado. Um, the guy's fucking gigantic and, um, John Bellion is also huge, but, um, that dude is a white rapper, but you listen to him and you go, oh, but, but what he does within the genre, he's dead fucking serious. So I don't know. I know there's a lot to be said about cultural appropriation, but I don't know what, I don't know. What do you tell a guy like Logic who not only has dedicated that much time to the craft, but but takes it seriously. Are you just supposed to tell him, sorry, dude, unless you're just, you know, get in line behind Ed Sheeran for your shot because you can't do this? I, I, don't, I don't know. That doesn't feel fully satisfying to me. You know, I mean, I didn't choose to be inspired by Boucher I just bought a record and fucking it hit me like every other thing I've ever listened to that inspired me. Every other great artist that I've listened to. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, when I listen to Bounty Killer and maybe this is an obvious point to make, but I, but I, I'm, I'm trying to articulate something about how we don't choose desire. We don't choose what we like. I don't even think we necessarily choose like, you know, um, what genre of music we create in genuinely, you know? Um, but there's something, like, even on these years where I've been like, Oh, I'm only going to listen to Beethoven for a year. I'm only going to listen to Brahms for a year. The rest, the respite that I would give myself is when I would like listen to bounty killer, it would just hit me in, a, in like in a in a more visceral or how do I say it? Um, I don't know the word for it, but it, it, dude, it hit me in the same place. You know, Bounty Killer in a lot of ways has probably been more formative on me creatively than Beethoven. I mean, because I work in a popular um, in a popular form of music, right? Like I'm a I'm a pop musician. I create pop songs. Um, <clears throat> a Bounty Killer works in a popular genre of music, you know, dancehall um, that is, that you know, there's more points of contact between writing, you know, pop songs on guitar and, and dance hall than there are between, uh, you know, pop songs in the symphonic form, right? Um, so, I don't know. Is this all making sense? I think it does. I mean, I think this is probably one of those things that we all understand and can make sense of, and when we talk through it, we all kind of come to the same conclusions about it, but, the zeitgeist right now is, you know, cultural appropriation is the word, and that's sort of the defining, you know, that's the yardstick that we use, you know, whatever our sense of that word is, that's the yardstick we use to determine what people are allowed to do and what they're allowed not to do. <clears throat> I think one of the funny, one of the funny things, though, is, you know, a lot of times to articulate these concepts... Um, our teacher has used these YouTube links, which come from MTV. it 's this whole series on MTV called Decoded, where they basically take some cultural concept that 's sort of you know happening right now, and they have some type of YouTube type personality explain the concept to you and one of them is like microaggressions or cultural appropriation and it 's like MTV is probably one of the one of the greatest perpetrators of uh, cultural appropriation of of any organization in history, and now they've hired some YouTube celebrities to, like, re- like, they basically, t- to preach at you what these concepts are, and it's sort of a way to rebrand themselves as being culturally competent, um, which is just a way to, t- to target the sort of social justice, you know, youth of today, to sell them more things, to sell them more nonsense. Anyway, I'm just saying, man, make no mistake that your cultural competency makes you a you know it's a great thing but make no mistake dude you are a target market I mean we've talked about this all the bullshit commercials we see like that don't give a fuck about any of these topics but because they realize you'll buy more Gillette razors if they appear that way you know or Nike all of a sudden decides that they have a raised consciousness about social awareness their sales go through the roof because they make Colin Kaepernick their fucking spokesmodel spokesmodel spokesperson people just lap it up. I'm not saying it's a bad, well, I guess I am saying a bad thing. I'm saying it's, in some ways, it's a good thing. I'm glad that dude has a major payday from Nike. That's not nothing. But let's not make the mistake and pretend that these people actually care. Oh, yoy, 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 yoy. Yeah, dude. I'm sure yoy, Yeah, dude, I'm sure some of you think I'm a fucking, uh, alt-right incel. Um, I'm telling you, I've actually, I have some friends now who are losing their goddamn minds and are, like, you know, they're doing this whole, like, walking away from the Democratic Party and they're becoming these crazy alt-right people. Unbelievable, man. I'm sort of embarrassed for them. They're posting on social media about, oh, it's all fucking conspiracy and fucking don't wear a mask and... Oh my God. I had one guy posting about how like all these celebrities and politicians had taken place in like child orgies. Like, you know, that whole Hillary Clinton thing, Pizzagate, that she was running some child sex trafficking ring in the basement of a fucking pizza parlor in Washington, D.C. I mean, that level of bullshit. It's like these flat earth adjacent alt-right people. Oh my God. Fucking insane. I'm like, I'm fundamentally embarrassed for these people. Anyway. Dude, what's up with the Little Mermaid? <laughs> I told you, uh, me and my girlfriend watched half of Hamilton on Disney Plus. Dude, I, by the way, this podcast needs motherfucking sponsors, dude. Jesus Christ, where are we at, dude? I mean, we got we we don't have a huge following. We got a little bit of an audience. How many of you people check out the shit I talk about? You got to, right? I'm sure some of you are checking out Centorial right now. I mentioned I say, Wow, what a great product for to work on synthesizers I bet I bet you're at least googling it, right? <clears throat> what about Disney plus, man? we've got to get some kind of offer code right? like every podcast has that. you hear the same fucking commercials on every goddamn podcast me undies. what else is there? uh Squarespace dude, I fucking love Squarespace. I would love to fucking get paid by Squarespace to tell you to try out a thirty day free trial of Squarespace. just use the offer code. this is M. To get 30% off your first year. Dude, fucking make some money off this goddamn thing. But, um, Disney Plus. Yeah. So, I don't know. Check out Disney Plus. Dude, check it out. Why not, right? But we watched the first half of Hamilton. And then last night, dude, we did so much shit yesterday. We woke up, me and my girlfriend, we did laundry, we went to the bank. Um... We fucking reserved a campsite. Your boy's going camping over his vacation for, well, one night because everything's booked up. We couldn't get longer and we waited and, uh, hung some photos in her place, man, and, uh, made dinner. I, uh, I fried up some catfish for us and, uh, what else did we have on the side? Catfish and, oh, corn. We boiled some corn. Um, but anyway, as we're sitting down to this feast, I was sitting there looking at her, and it was delicious. By the way, your boy is a fucking great cook. I've really come a long way. And uh, I'm looking across from her, and I was like, "How anxious are we, or how excited are we to get back to Hamilton?" And we both agreed, "Not really." <laughs> and uh, I don't know what it is, man. I, I, it's fine. We saw the first half of it. It's yeah, it's 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 okay. I I don't see why it took the nation by storm though. And. Uh, So, we're trying to like find use of Disney Plus outside of Hamilton. So, we started, we watched The Little Mermaid, which was okay. Um, One, it's funny to go back, I think it came out in like 1989, and you go back and you see the animation quality, and even though you think, Jesus Christ, there's more work went into The Fucking Little Mermaid than anything I've ever done, maybe everything I've ever done cumulatively in my life put together, more man hours and labor and, and thought, went into the fucking Little Mermaid. But it's also like, I don't know, you're just kind of spoiled by modern animation and you think, meh. I don't know. There's just not a lot of detail. It looks kind of silly at, at parts. Um, and also the plot moves so fucking fast. I think the entire movie is like an hour and 25 minutes long. So it's just like bam, 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 one thing after another. There's like really no development. It just kind of jumps from one scene to the next. And you realize that's, you know, kids have very little patience. It's got to move at that pace. Um, but it was cool. Uh, we'll probably go back and watch some of the other Disney movies. But we've also been watching The Simpsons. I think we've watched like the first six episodes. One thing someone has to explain to me, when you go on Disney Plus and you look at The Simpsons, season one, episode one is a Christmas special. And I'm like like, was this show initially just like supposed to be a one-time Christmas special? But then it's like, it's only a half hour long. If this was like a one-off special, wouldn't it have been an hour long? And as I'm watching the season one, episode one Christmas special, I'm trying to look like, is there a lot of exposition where they're having to explain the relationships of the characters? Or do I feel like I'm kind of just being dropped in a universe I'm expected to understand? So I don't fucking know. But once you actually get into episode two, where you get into the show proper as you remember it, we both are like, yo, this show's pretty subversive. You know? Like, it actually tackles in a very kind of, I mean, in a, I mean, it's a family, I guess it was, a, I don't know if it was, I think it was like marketed as like a family-friendly show. In a very kind of smart way, it att- it addresses some interesting topics. Like, the the fact that Homer Simpson works at a toxic or at a uh, nuclear energy plant is handled in a very kind of ironic way. You know, like Mr. Burns, or was it Smithers? I think it's Smithers. I think Mr. Burns is the fucking principal, right? But Smithers, the CEO or the the president or whatever the, of the nuclear energy company or whatever, like, they just handle the whole idea, like, this guy is evil, uh, I don't know. Homer has to work for the man, you know, and he's just kind of like a middle-class person. I don't know. man. it was, a, it's actually a very fucking smart show and frequently very, very funny. And I wasn't anticipating that because I think, I mean, I remember watching The Simpsons when I was younger and I don't remember it hitting that hard and I wasn't really into it. Do you know what I mean? I saw it. I let it washed over me, but I was never like a huge fan of the show specifically. But going back and watching it, you go, damn, dude, this show is pretty subversive. And it makes sense when you see the shows that have become big afterwards have really kind of used The Simpsons as kind of a benchmark. You know, we're going to use a sort of family-friendly animation platform to actually be kind of subversive and get at things that we probably wouldn't be able... You know, if this was a live action show, we would never be able to address these issues. But because it's animated we're actually able to get at these things in a way that is sort of subtle and that kind of is more palatable for people. You know, you totally see, um, you know, King of the Hill. You totally see uh, uh, Family Guy. You see South Park. It's all It all goes back to Simpsons. And it's just so funny that such a cultural institution like the Simpsons is, and we'll see, maybe after season six or seven or shit, it just kind of goes down the toilet. But, you definitely see that, oh, this show created an entirely new genre of animation. It's like primetime television, but animated. I don't know. Maybe you're all fully aware of this, but for me, it was interesting to go back and watch those things. Otherwise, I forced my girlfriend to watch the first episode of Mandalorian. Not, Not that I really give a shit about that stuff. But uh, I just remember that was like the flagship show that Disney Plus sort of banked their whole thing on, and everybody was watching it with Baby Yoda and all that nonsense. So uh, we watched some of that. I don't know, dude. I never got into Star Wars. Although I was watching, and there was a couple cool things. Werner Herzog is in the first episode, and you're like, oh, shit? And then also I noticed Brian Posehn has a cameo. He's like a, I don't know, he's like a Star Wars type taxi driver or whatever. And I thought, what a dream come true for this fucking nerd. Brian Posehn is a really good stand-up comic. And I forget one of his specials was actually like a really big deal for me. I remember I used to have the CD and listen to it. I think it was called like Nerd Rage, Live and Nerd Rage or some shit like that. But that was like a really cool special to me. And so it was weird to see Brian Posehn knowing what a big nerd he is and knowing that now he's in the Mandalorian, like being part of the Star Wars universe. Dude, that must've been so huge for him. And I didn't realize it was created and directed by Jon Favreau. That's pretty cool. It's funny to think that all these, you know, self, I should say, self-defined nerds have not only been successful in in their field, but that it's taken to a point where they can actually contribute to the universe that was so formative for them growing up. It's pretty cool. You know, maybe all of our dreams don't come true, but they come true for some folks, that's for sure. Not that it makes them happy but at least their dream dreams on paper come true. Um, outside of that, there's actually a funny series because all the Pixar shits on Disney plus too. There's a series called Forky asks a question. And, uh, that was pretty creative. I think there's like maybe a dozen or so. And we watched those. We also watched the short bow, which is pretty interesting. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I'm not sure I completely understand it, but it's a little bit of a tearjerker. But if you if you happen to have Disney Plus, check those things out. Check out the short Bow, then check out the series Forky Ask a Question, and then uh, Little Mermaid, Half of Hamilton, and the first episode of The Mandalorian. Oh yeah, and like The Simpsons. Damn, I guess I spend more time in digesting content than I than I really thought. Anyway, where are we at, folks? I think we're about 45 minutes. I'm going to give you one hour, and then I'm going to go about my life, because I got shit to get to. I got to work tonight. I got to get back to preparing for this interview. (sighs) Thanks for listening, though. I mean, geez. It's so crazy to think that we're at episode 46, and I know... Excuse me, I'm burping. (sighs) I know it's not... um you know, you see like the Joe Rogan podcast and they're like at episode 1600 or something like that. I know, I know we're not that far along, but kind of doing this podcast has actually taught me a little bit about, you know, good practices kind of in life in general, really. And and a lot of this stuff will sound obvious, but if you're a creative person, I think you'll appreciate how hard these things are actually, how hard these things actually are to implement, especially in your creative work, which is consistency. Um, Just kind of surrendering to the process. Because you know, it doesn't take a lot of time to do this, but it takes consistency and it takes making time for it. And you know, aside from the fact the fact that I think it's okay, I mean, I I'm I'm happy that people listen. I'm happy that people continue to tune in. Um, we do have a small group of dedicated listeners. I'd like it to grow, um, but even if it didn't. You know, as we're approaching, maybe we'll talk more about this at the halfway mark when we do the year long anniversary, I'll probably talk more about these things. Um, cause I've said many times the goal is 100, right? So we're almost halfway to 100, but we're also, you know, just past 50 will be our one year anniversary. I'm very happy that the show has been consistent. I'm glad we put it up every week. We haven't missed a week. There was just like a couple weeks ago where it came out 12 hours late, which was just a mistake on my part in terms of uh, setting the time. But we've been consistent and i I don't know about you but i'm I'm trying to think if there's anything else in my life that's ever happened that I've been able to do consistently on a weekly basis except for like defecating <laughs> for if there's anything I've been able to do consistently for a week or or on a weekly basis for forty seven weeks right and even before that yeah, not- i mean i've i i you know this was something I was sort of you know up until we did episode um, zero of the podcast, which we were calling the pilot. I mean, episode zero, when I recorded it was I don't even th- I think if you go back and listen to that, I don't even say, welcome to the podcast. This is M. I think I say something like, well, whatever this is, right? Because I, even when I recorded it, I didn't know that that was going to be episode zero of the podcast. Um, I was just sort of recording myself, even, I think even a few times a week, When we? I think when we were first doing this podcast, I was, pre-recording them right I think I was I think oh man it's crazy to think how far we've come I think it's only been since like episode 25 that I've actually been recording these once a week I was banking them for a long time Jeez, man God, it's funny. I think it was Tony Robbins or someone who said, you know, people vastly overestimate what they can accomplish in a year, but vastly underestimate what they can accomplish. Did I say that right? They vastly overestimate what they can accomplish in a year, but underestimate what they can accomplish in 10. Man, the key is just consistency. Like anything you want to do, make sure you can do it at a consistent level. Like when you're starting something, you're almost better off being under ambitious, if that makes sense. Meaning, when you think about what's it going to take to actually execute this plan, be generous to yourself. You know, like if you're like, "Oh, I'm going to get an exercise." Maybe the maybe the smart thing is to not decide that you're going to run three miles every day. Maybe it's just run half a mile five days a week or something like that, and then you can revisit once you start doing it. But give yourself something small that you know that you're going to do consistently, right? I don't know. There's just something about oh I'm just gonna record this for an hour a week. You know. It takes me about thirty minutes to get everything exported, titled, and up on the distribution platform. And if I have time during the week, I'll part it out and sort of put those clips up on YouTube. Not that any of you fucking people are watching them. Um but uh just like to have the repository. I almost said suppository, but I meant repository. <laughs> almost have the repository of content because who knows? You know, I say we're doing at least a hundred, but I mean, unless there's a compelling, unless there's a very compelling reason not to, I don't see why we're not going to go past that. And again, just looking back on my musical creative life, I mean, when I made the record Academy Clones as the Plastic Arts and I put it out, nobody fucking listened to it. But it just lived on the internet for a few years and plenty of people found it. And I still get emails about that record. So who knows, man, just set a consistent schedule, release on a constant basis. I think especially with a podcast, that's probably true. I mean, I think a YouTube channel is probably similar, but I think if you're going to do anything, um, people have to expect it, you know? And maybe this podcast actually, you know, when people are browsing for a podcast, they need a whole, like I, they need a whole world to sink into. And right now, maybe when they peruse the podcast and they only see 47 episodes or something, maybe that's just not enough. Maybe that's still for most people that feels new, like that feels like a new podcast. But if they find a show that they like and there's over a hundred episodes, maybe they go, oh, this is something I'll give a shot. And then they have a whole fucking thing to sink into. I mean, what's the date today? This will be it. So today is Sunday, August 2nd, 2020. When are you listening to this? I mark my words. Someone will be listening to this and they should leave a comment under the video or whatever the fuck. By then maybe, maybe there will be podcast comments, but you know, the audio is getting uploaded to YouTube anyway. Someone will be listening to this on Sunday, August 2nd, 2025. Comment that. Someone's going to be listening to this on well, I guess it, I guess there's no there's no guarantee it will be Sunday, but somebody will be listening to this on August 2nd, 2025. Comment that shit. Somebody's going to be listening to this on August 2nd, 2030. Comment that shit. I mean, assuming the world is still here. I'll probably be in a gulag in some kind of like Trump, Trump-run Orwellian dystopian future. I'll be fucking ostracized like Galileo or something. <clears throat> oy, oy, oy. but that's okay. You'll be with me too. Cause if you like this fucking podcast, we're both going to the fucking gulag together. Anyway, man, for some reason I'm, I was driving over to my girlfriend's house uh, yesterday. There's this church like right around the corner from my house. I was driving, my uh, landlord actually lives in a home like, I don't know, in the neighborhood across the street from me and I, I'm dropping the rent check off, and I drive by this church. There are like 150 people with, uh, they might mu- actually, they must be like a like Jeho- Seventh-day Adventist or something like that, because those people go to church on Saturday. But there was like 150 people outside this church with all these COVID signs and talking about the end times. And I was just like, it was such a weird, weird sight to see in the Bay Area. Like, you would see that shit in Tucson, but it was a weird sight to see that kind of like religious fanaticism or whatever you want to call it in the Bay area. You know, it was shit like repent. The end is nigh, all that sort of stuff. COVID is a part of the Armageddon and all that sort of nonsense. Quoting Bible verses where God said he would send pestilence and man. But I mean, I guess I really can't blame people, man. If I was religious, I would think we were living in the end times too. Shit is fucked up for sure, man. You know those Bible code people? I actually read that book, The Bible Code, when it came out. It probably came out in like the mid-90s, 96, 97, or something like that. I remember reading it, and even I was convinced, but your boy was a child. I was dumb. When you're, when you're young, you read things that go, really? There is a code to the Bible? Oh, wow. And then you grow up. It's like Santa Claus. It's like when I was a, dude, when I was a kid, I was into that shit, like Bible code, conspiracy theories. I remember getting the book, Behold the Pale Horse by William Cooper. Um, and they had to order it. Actually, dude, I think they ordered it at the same as I got this Island fucking Bouju CD, whatever. I remember having to order Behold the Pale Horse. And like, once I started reading it, I was concerned that my name was on a government list somewhere and who the fuck knows, maybe it is. But um, if you ever fucking look into Behold a Pale Horus, like when you read that as a kid, you're like, what the fuck? Man, the truth is out there. You know, but then you grow up and you realize, oh, it's not a conspiracy. People are just dumb. Right? Everything, you know, everything that is a human enterprise is deeply flawed. And it's a wonder that anything fucking holds together anyway. People are so profoundly fucked up. It's a wonder we accomplish anything. And you realize that, too, when you get older. Like, when you're a kid, you think life is like school. Like, you look at light, you look at school as being, literally, it's grades, but it's, there's a gradation, literally, right? You go through first, but you have to graduate each step to get to the next one. First, second, third, fourth grade. I think you just sort of pace that onto adult life. And because you just sort of assume adults know what they're talking about, you think, oh, well, that person made it to 50. They've literally graduated 50 years of their life, right? Dude, fuck no. You realize when you get older that everyone's kind of figuring it out, figuring it out together and nobody knows what the fuck is going on. Every, everybody's acting like somebody else has the answers and they're just faking it. <clears throat> Dude, it's like cults, man. It's like when you fucking look at Scientology, the, uh, collectively they come together and you think, oh, those people believe that. But the the problem is nobody believes it. They're all pretending to believe. Nobody believes shit. They believe in belief. And it's the fact that they can't see into other people's minds and see the fact that they don't believe that it makes them feel like they should believe. And they pretend to believe. It influences their actions, Right? they act as if they believe, they persecute other people who don't believe, but nobody really fucking believes it. I've thought about this, especially when I was younger and I was in my whole new atheism phase that I think a lot of, a lot of people go through. You know, I thought, I thought religion was so pernicious because some people actually believe that shit. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure that people actually believe as much as they believe in belief. Do you know what I mean? And in actual practice, maybe, maybe that's, maybe it doesn't even make a difference, right? Like, who cares if you actually believe um, that homophobia is a sin, if what you do is throw gay people off of a tower because the Bible tells you to, (laughs) right? Maybe believing in belief is all that really fucking matters in terms of the harm or the consequences of believing something. But it is interesting to think about. I mean, does anybody really believe in Scientology or do they believe and believe? I don't fucking know, man. Maybe, maybe we got to get Leah Remini on the phone. Anyway, your boy's out of shit to say. I got about five minutes to go here before I get my hour, and then I get to get the fuck out of here. <sighs> what have we learned? Um, I don't know. We talked a lot about cultural appropriation. We talked about dance hall music. Um, we talked about being a cracker-ass cracker with a guitar. Uh, we talked about microaggressions. We talked a lot about Disney+. Plus. Um, what else is there to talk about? Dude, I don't know. Your boy's just getting ready for a job interview. I'm getting ready to end the semester. Uh, summer school, getting ready to start the fall. I got a two week vacation, no work, no school, no nothing. People are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I have no fucking plans. Me and my girlfriend are going to go camping one night. We got a tent. A couple thoughts. Dude, we were looking at like, oh, well, how do you, how do you even buy a tent? You know? Cause if you go to like REI or, um, we have a store here called sports basement. I don't even know if that's a national chain. It, maybe it is. I don't know. But, um, it's like, you go there, I went there looking for hiking boots and it's like, dude, you could spend like $250 on hiking boots or you could spend 60. And you're like, I don't fucking know the difference. Same thing with tents. You can buy a fucking three person tent for $30 or you could buy a one person tent for 650. And we're looking on YouTube. Like what the, like, what's the buying guide for a tent? How do I know what tent to get or whatever? And you have these fucking YouTube channels of people just like reviewing camping gear but sometimes it's not even like their whole channel is camping gear. It's just like a dad in the Midwest who has a YouTube channel and he's making videos on how to make fucking fish sticks and how to fucking buy a tent and the differences between DSLR cameras. And you're just thinking like, dude, first of all, thank you for making this video because it is fucking helping me, but I don't understand who the fuck makes these videos. You know, like I don't understand the mentality of the person who's like, yeah, I'm just going to make some unboxing videos. Uh, I'm going to show people how to, how to make it. Cause I, I like model trains. So I'm going to show people how to set up a train around their Christmas tree around Christmas time. I'm going to make some fish sticks for the family. I'm going to review the four fucking family tents that I have. And you're just like, I don't know. I'm deeply skeptical of the Midwest white dude who's just into gear. You know what I mean? Like, you don't feel like he has any real discernible skills, but he's, a uh, he's into consumerism, you know? So it's like, he's got a nice DSLR camera. He's got, a, he's got like four fucking family tents and he's reviewing them all on YouTube. And you're like, what do you do for a living? Anyway, I'm just starting to get, I'm just being mean at this point, frankly. Um, I don't know what to tell you folks. I see us coming up on the end of an hour here, and I'm wondering if I just start doing my exit slow, maybe I can get us past the hour mark and still get out of here now. So let's do that. I'm going to thank you. I'm going to thank you for listening. I'm going to thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening week to week. Uh, If you haven't already subscribed to the show, you can on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I think Spotify is our number one platform right now. But uh is it smart? Should I be sending people to one place? I don't know. I stopped turning people onto the Instagram and Twitter because I don't fucking use them. So look, all I want people to do is subscribe. I want you to listen to the podcast. I want you to share the podcast. I want you to rate and review the podcast. I want you to give us a five-star review and I want you to write a couple sentences about why you like the podcast. And, And again, think of one person in your life you think would like it and share your favorite episode with them other than that, your boy's going to have his interview this week. And by the time you hear me next, I will not only be on vacation, I hope I will be able to tell you whether or not I got the job. If I got it, I'm going to celebrate. If I didn't, I'm going to fucking, uh, well, I'm going to survive, but I might, uh, you know, I might, uh, I might unload a little bit on the podcast. That's all I'm going to say. But, uh, until then, thank you for listening. Thank you for your time. And ciao for now.